Uh, Mark, I've got another Luca question for you. Your favourite. Um, who's going to have more thirty-point games this year, Luca or Dwight Howard? I think we could also add who's going to call the most ISOs, who's going to uh, cross the most opponents over, <laughs> <laughs> and who's going to grab the most triple doubles. Dwight might just grab a quadruple at some point. <laughs> Welcome to the Hoops and Recreation podcast, a fortnightly podcast where we take you through four 12-minute quarters of all things basketball. I'm your co-host for today, Matt, and with me, as always, the biggest thing in basketball to come out of the year 1985, Mark. Hey, yo. And our sixth man of the year every single year, Wardy. Hey, dudes. We have a great episode for you today with lots to talk about, so let's get started. Right, first quarter means we're going to spend a little bit of time looking back at uh, some games that have happened since our last episode. Um, we've had some some big performances the last week, uh, guys. Some big kind of points being dropped by a number of different players. Um, but one uh, kind of one team that I want to talk about first of all, Mark, your favourite team in the NBA, Bright Future Kings. They're on a little bit of a roll, mate. Um, I think since you've uh, badmouthed them in previous episodes, they've taken it personally and just decided they want to kill everyone. I think we're excellent on this pod at cursing teams, but sometimes positively, of course, but we seem to put a hex on anybody that we talk about. Um, we talk about the Knicks a little bit more, that would be good. Um, but yes, certainly the since I said the Kings were the worst franchise um, in sports, they, uh, they've won five in a row. Uh, yeah. on an unbelievable role uh, Aaron Fox uh, Aaron Fox looks like he's uh, an all-star again Sabonis is putting up his Indiana numbers uh, they're getting great production from all their rookies even Huerta is playing well and he looked like he was finished after he, he left Atlanta yeah they're, they're doing really really well yeah yeah, su- super excited to see them come crashing down again because I'm, you know, I'm sure it's going to happen. That <laughs> <laughs> you said there, they're on a five-game win streak at the minute. Hopefully, uh, we're recording on a Sunday night, which is a little bit earlier than we normally would for for this podcast coming out on Tuesday. Um, but they're playing the Pistons tonight, so you never know. That could be six-game win streak by the time this podcast is uh, is out. Um, You've said there about De'Aaron Fox. He's playing so well in comparison to previous years. We spoke, I think, I can't remember whether it was on a, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, whether we just said it kind of amongst ourselves. But last year, he didn't play very well. Um, I mean, still averaging 20 plus a game, but in comparison to the year prior where he was nearly 26 points a game. This year, he's hovering just under 25 points a game, just under five rebounds um, and just over six assists. But he's currently shooting a career high 37.5% from three and a career high 55.4% from the field. So and that's really that's always been his biggest problem, hasn't it? Like he, he just yeah. can shoot. And and you have got to be able to shoot. I mean like we talk about the Lakers all the time, you know, their biggest problem is you can't shoot. Like none of them can. Uh and that's been Jaron Fox's problem all the time. Like he's so quick, but you could always give him a couple of feet when you're guarding him because you you know he could shoot. And now he's shooting high. It makes him a real threat. And like you say he was on a, a really good trajectory last year. He kind of I mean, the Kings were awful anyway, but last year he he didn't make another step up. This year he really is making a step up. And he's he's probably in that most improved uh, player kind of conversation at the moment. And I think you mentioned there about like, the rookies are all performing. Um, every They somehow have a player that just like pops off every <laughs> other game. So if we look at the last two games, the last game was against the Spurs in which Malik Monk scored 26 off the bench. <laughs> Um, game before that, Nets, where they scored 153, by the way, as a team, they currently have the second highest offensive rate and just behind the Celtics in the league. So that's showing something for them. Terrence Davis, 31 points off the bench in 26 minutes. Bearing in mind, he's currently averaging eight points a game and playing 13.8 minutes. How the fuck did that happen? And you love to see that as well. Like, coach saw he was hot. So he's like, you, you, you're going to keep playing. You know, you have double the minutes tonight because you are absolutely killing it. And that, that's what you want to see. And Mike Brown is a good coach. 
you know like he, he's had a lot of shit over the years um from you know some kind of some of the, the various jobs that he's done when he's taken more high profile stuff but he's a good coach he knows what he's doing he's been a really successful assistant i know you like him Morty. yeah he's a good coach right at the start of um his tenure at a team oh he's he's obviously got uh, a good personality you know he comes across that way to us he's, he's a great motivator it seems I think people just seem to like him. So they play for him, they work hard. There's obviously something there that happens, you know, towards, you know, as time runs out with a team. Uh, but if you can get these guys where they are now, a lot of them in the prime or coming into the prime of their career, whoever takes on next is, is going to do, you know, they could inherit a really, really good team. And we always see when a coach goes and another one comes in, you kind of get a, a new coach bump and everyone starts to work harder again yeah and like I, said, I think overall whatever's happening keep keep doing it they're currently top um for most points scored per game by an nba team this season with 120.3 on average um but they are way towards the bottom in defensive rating so they just need to kind of sort themselves out defensively and they might actually win some games because uh yeah they're on a roll now but maybe not in the future mark who have you been uh, watching this week i mean we can't talk about hot streaks without talking about boston they are now the winners of nine in a yeah. row um which you know puts them top of the east they, they've taken a step above the the bucks now it's the first time that we've seen a boston team who has been fully fit you know, you know gallinari aside because he's going to be out for the season and they're clicking they're clicking on all cylinders tatum and brown um are starting to hit their threes again they not the highest percentage of their careers but they're going back in again uh they're getting really good bench production so you've got Derek white's playing really well uh, Malcolm Brogdon is a fantastic player off the bench. He's just someone who can come in and, and be a floor general, and he's doing exactly that. You've got people like Blake who are playing their role out there. They're just clicking all over, and they're doing it offensively and defensively as well, holding teams to low points per game, and they're scoring high points per game. At the moment, I would say they're the team to beat in the league. You guys agree? Yeah, I'd, I'd say 100%. And the, the thing is, as well, defensively, they still haven't got Robert Williams back, as far as I'm aware. Oh. Um, so they've still got their biggest kind of threat in the paint still to come back. And, and when he does come back, it's a team that's already playing incredibly well on both ends that is going to get even better on both ends, which is kind of scary. Yeah, me me coming out here and saying that they're fully fit and you're quite right. They haven't got probably the, well, who is the best center out there at the moment. Yeah, exactly, which, which is absolutely mad. And uh, it just seems like after last year, they're not kind of sulking for not winning a chip. Instead, they're like, all right, we'll do it again this year. And it just seems yeah, like they everyone knows their role. They've added a couple of decent pieces and they're just, they're, they're ready for it. So yeah, 100%. I think we saw all these other teams as possible favourites going into the season, but at the minute it has to be the Celtics. Um, Wardy, what do you think about Ill? I mean, you'd like to see Tatum and Brown in the, you know, the prime of their career. They're just going to get better. The pieces are the same for the majority in terms of the starters. Uh, and then, like Mark said, you just added some really, really good pieces. Uh, I think the most exciting thing you've got is they're relying on their offense at the moment. They're one of the highest rated teams for offense uh, and their defense sucks. You know, uh, when they went on their run after the All-Star break to get break into the top tier of the uh, of the East, it was all their defense. It, when Robert Williams comes back and they've got their offense clicking, their defense clicking, you know, they, they could be a real problem in the regular season and look to be a tough out again in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the playoffs because, you know, we all felt that Tatum kind of shriveled a little bit, you know, when, when it got to the playoffs. They they didn't play well this, last season and then they went on an incredible run uh, after Christmas and after the All-Star break and then, you know, kind of exceeded expectations to get to the finals. But And then, like I say, we, we kind of saw Tatum shrink a little bit and Golden State were an unbelievable team and we'll give them credit as well but it's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out for them um, they're, they're, they're for me like I said the team to beat in the league at the moment and I hate saying that because it's the fucking Celtics <laughs> but they, they are the team to beat in the league at the moment um, and speaking of last year's champs like Golden State still no away wins 9-0 on the road this season like who could have predicted that I don't think anyone could, to be perfectly honest. And the thing is, as well, I think a lot of people just thought they were going to be contenders again this year because of how well they did last year. And they didn't really kind of lose anything that I can possibly think of. Okay, there's a couple of maybe role players that they haven't got this year, like Otto Porter and and players like that that helped them throughout the regular season. 
but I feel as if they that they haven't lost a lot of pieces. It just seems to be that there's a almost an attitude change there, and I think a, a lot of that maybe there was questions going into the season following the Draymond and um, Paul incident. Like you don't really know what's happening behind the scenes, but. Yeah, they need to sort themselves out on the road. Steph's playing like he's out for blood and everyone else just isn't. So, like, he he can't carry the team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sorry, I think I saw a stat the other day um, that with their starting five on the court, so Steph, Clay, uh, Wiggins, uh, Draymond and Looney, um, they're plus 99. Um, wow. And with any other lineup, they're minus 70. Any other lineup at all. That, like how fucking wild is that? Like they literally are in always in a minus unless their starting five is on the court. That's just that's just not a feasible way to win games. Like you're never ever going to be able to 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 win there or put together any kind of runs with with that because you're not going to have that starting five all season. We know it's going to be times where Steph's going to sit out, where where Clay's going to sit out, where Dre's going to sit out. They're, they're not going to be able to keep that together. And you expect people like Jordan Poole to be able to come into the, the lineup and and make a big difference. They've also put Wiseman down to the G League as well. Yeah. So Steve Kerr was obviously feeling like he wasn't making the progress that he was expected in. Definitely. What do, you, what do you think about the the Golden State? I, think I called them a super team in our first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a bit foolish right now. Um, I said... I was right, just fits I said in with all our bad predictions, Wardy, don't <laughs> <Yeah>. worry. <laughs> so, I said that um, you know, the starters were still the same and they're great. Uh, and their bench is going to bolster them and only be better. And I was, I was totally wrong with that. They've looked atrocious. Like they don't know what's going on. Ste- Steph is having to pull MVP numbers just to get, you know, just keep them close in games. You know, he dropped uh, 50 a few days ago. And yeah, it's 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 tough to see because they look like a, one of the most cohesive teams of the last six, seven, eight years. And, and they don't anymore. They look like a traditional team with... A really, really good player, a couple of good vets, and a load of young kids. It's yeah, it's, it's really sad to see. I think I think ultimately we can probably put it down to that awful uh, city jersey or whatever the hell that's that black jersey with the gold <laughs> rose trees on it. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god! I feel as if every player, like as soon as it's like, oh, we've got to wear that jersey today. Like all of them are just embarrassed, and they're like, you know, we're just going to play shit because then we're not on TV. And that, it has to be that. It has to yeah. be just the jersey. What's the point of that race? Because um, you can't see it. No, but the time they tuck it in, the entire oh. time. I don't think we've got enough time to talk about City jerseys because it's the worst set of jerseys I've ever seen in my life. Suns, um, <coughs> Suns. <and laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. Horrific. That might be the worst jersey ever on. Course. It's like a local league jersey. It's one block color. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we we can't finish the first quarter without talking about um, Shay. Shy. I'm not Shay. sure how you pronounce it. Shay, thank you. Um, because he is absolutely fucking balling at the moment. Like, I watched him destroy the Knicks last week, um, and he continues to destroy people every game. Uh, his numbers have gone up. They are winning games. At the moment, he's most improved player, you know, without, without a shadow of doubt for me. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable. And uh, I've, I've, I know you shed a tear every time you watch him play. Oh, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. <laughs> don't worry. I've got, I've got some more. I've got some more words to say about Shea a little bit later on. A little bit of a tease into the fourth quarter. Don't you worry, guys. But I think on that we can. Uh, we'll end the second. Oh, end the first. Got my quarters mixed up there, guys. We're into the second now. Second quarter. Time to talk about some uh, fashion and some on-court shoes and basically what players have been wearing over the last uh, week or so. Um, Mark, I've put this quarter down to you, mate, to, to kind of get us get us started because uh, other than Montrez Harrell trying to start a fight in Carmine Sixes, I haven't got many notes down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, let's start with that because it was an interesting point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after the game, uh, the, 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 yeah, the, the, Jesus Christ, who does, who does Montrez Harrell play for now? Philly? 76s, yeah. yeah, Philly. Yeah, the, the Bucks were at Philly. Uh, Giannis had shot a uh, career low 4-15 I believe from the line and wanted to get some free throws up afterwards so uh, he was getting free throws up Trez came out, grabbed the ball went and stood in the corner and basically told him to fuck off and he was wearing Carmine Sixers which is cool um, basically told him to fuck off they got another ball, then one of the assistant coaches from Philly basically told Giannis to fuck off 
Then Trez went down the other end, started shooting free throws. I don't know, I have no idea why, because guy plays about seven minutes a game, but he's only against the line a lot. <laughs> and then Giannis came out with another ball, <laughs> went back in the locker room, came out with another ball, went down the other end, wanted to shoot free throws, and someone from Philly put a fucking ladder up. Then it turned into the WWE kind of thing, yeah. uh, with Giannis pushing the ladder over. Um, Hulk Hogan ran out, <laughs> put an elbow down on Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the Hardy brothers came through they put Trez through a table it was fucking wild um, that's what it felt like anyway. and apparently Trez was mouthing the whole time like talking shit and this kind of thing really annoys me because Trez doesn't play like no. he, he, he plays about 8 minutes a game and Giannis is you know out there trying to improve he's pissed off that they've lost and he's shot bad from the free throw line he's out there trying to improve and Trez, for me, is just out there barking just for the sake of it because, he, you know, that's kind of the only way that he can impact um, somebody else because he's not doing it on the court. But, yeah, he did. He was wearing Karma 6. Yeah. Had to look, <laughs> had to look, second sight in, in as many weeks. Hey, maybe, so, maybe it's just like, maybe the the the, uh, the 6 story is just going to like start circling around the league. It's just like, we can rename this segment Who Wore Carmine 6 is this week. But... I think it's sad to see with, I know this is a little bit off topic now, it's sad to see with Trez because just three years ago, six man of the year, playing amazingly at the Clippers and then all of a sudden thought that he should be paid way more than he should have at the Clippers, fucked off to the Lakers. We all know how that ended. Now he's at the Sixers and he's playing next to no minutes a game, um, starting fights with Giannis. And also after that, he then tried to start with Giannis's brother, which again oh, doesn't yeah, really did, doesn't yeah. really play many minutes anyway. So we basically just had two bench warmers potentially having a fight over post game th- uh, free throws. But hey ho, that was my one story to contribute towards this uh, segment. So Mark, what have you seen this week? <laughs> uh, I, I think we'd uh, we, we couldn't possibly talk about sneaker section without talking about the the Jordan Chicago one uh, dropping again on, on Saturday. Uh, the lost and found. It's the the biggest ever. Uh, release of a Jordan 1, uh, apparently over 500,000 pairs, and pretty much everybody who wanted a pair seems to have got this pair. I say pretty much everybody because I do have a couple of friends who, who weren't able to grab them. So if anyone's got a, a UK 11 uh, for, for a good friend of the show, <laughs> he, he would be very pleased to, to take them off you uh, for a retail price. Um, but yeah, I, I went down to... Uh, to London for the the offspring drop um, at Selfridges, uh, which was a it was a raffle, uh, so the raffle collection, uh, and it was good. Everybody was super pleased with their pairs. Um, you know, nice atmosphere down there. I wore the my 1985 um, pair of Chicago ones um, because I was like, fuck it, if I don't wear them today, then when am I going to wear them? Uh, it seems like you know kind of the most appropriate time. It makes sense for the biggest thing in basketball to come out of the year 1985 to wear 1985 Chicago Jordan ones, right? Makes sense. It's on brand. Thank you, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, it's nice that you give me that appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot. Someone has to. Do. Someone has to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also um, bought the new LeBron 20 that came out uh, last week as well, which. Um, was the the kind of Miami Heat colorway? Okay. Um, I've had a bit of a torrid time with basketball shoes <laughs> over the the last year, really. Um, so, for anybody who doesn't know, I you know I play local league um, basketball, and uh, most recently, I've I found it hard to find something which kind of works for me. Um, I, I had the thirty fours were my favorite shoe for a really long time. Everything about the, the Jordan 34 um, were fantastic. Um, however, since then, I've really struggled um, to find something which, you know, kind of which would match those, which compares to those. So I had the Jordan 35 after the 34. Um, that was a pair that was gifted to me. They burst. So the, oh, nice. the heel on the right heel just burst. I've never had that happen before in my entire life, but the other heel just burst. I then got the 36s to replace that. I had two pairs of those, both of them, the uppers ripped on them. Uh, All right, ripped, sent them back, got another pair. <laughs> <laughs> got another pair and it and it ripped within maybe five or six wears. And bearing in mind, like my 34s, I had them for like two years. You know, it wasn't like 
and I, I, I play in them three, two, three times a week. So it wasn't like I smashed through shoes. You know, I'm not, I'm not like a yeah, like a Zion type of player. But yeah, they so they ripped, and the the, the tongue tag even came off one of them. I then got the um, the GT uh, Zoom, the GT Zoom Jump, um, and I really liked those. And I've played in those for about nine months. And then I we had a game a couple of weeks ago. Picked, I played with them on a Friday. Fine. Picked them up out of my bag, put them on, and one of the fucking heels had burst again. One of the air bubbles what? had burst. It's a huge kind of air bubble as yeah. well. So it must have been like maybe the last thing I did on Friday before I put them on. Uh, before I took them off, like maybe burst it, or or it happened and I didn't notice whilst I was playing. But so they burst. So now I'm like, fuck's sake. I had to get my wife to run out with my, you know, with my 34. She had to drive down to the game <laughs> to, to give me the shoes <laughs> so I could play. Anyway, I then ordered the Jordan 37, you know, the like the the new 37s, which Jason Tatum, et cetera, are playing in. Uh, and I tried the Cosmic Unity 2 as well because they, they looked like they were going to be quite comfy. Honestly, neither of them even made the court. The Cosmic Unity I tried on, they felt too low. Um, just, just didn't feel that they also had a really high arch. And then the Jordan 37 was a weird looking shoe anyway, but you know, I obviously I'm quite a Jordan fan, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was like, I'll try this. The, the upper isn't like the 36, you know, which was like a nice kind of knit. This is like a plasticky. I, it, I put them on and walked around the house. They click when you walk because it's oh. like this plastic thing on it. Yeah, not nice at all. So I'm like, fuck, <laughs> like, I can't find anything. I can't find any of those GT Zooms again. Like, they're just completely gone. So everybody seems to be raving about LeBron 20. I'm like, I'm going to try it. I don't love that Miami Heat colorway, but there is a there is a, a teal colorway coming out, which um, Cam Reddish has been wearing. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try this, uh, th- this Miami Heat colorway, see what they're like on foot. And if they're good, I'll grab a colorway I actually like. So, anybody listening, feel my pain, first of all. <laughs> Big time first world problems here. And and secondly, if you've got any recommendations uh, for an unathletic 6'3 wing, then I'd love to hear them. Thank you. So, just like LeBron then, yeah. <laughs> Basically, Bronny and I, at this stage in our careers, Bronny and I are the same person. We both bring the ball up, throw it to somebody else, and do fuck all else for the entire play. <laughs> Wow, what do you what what, what do you wear when you're when you're playing? It's been it's been three years and two foot surgeries, so uh, I think the last PG fours. Oh, okay. I think yeah. and they were nice. I really like them, but um, they're pretty popular local league, aren't they? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people wearing the the current ones, the sixes. I, 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 they do look nice. I have thought about them, but I um I grabbed a pair of Zion ones in the sale with the with the thought of you know, playing basketball again. And, you know, I thought it's all right. If they can prop Zion up, they can definitely <laughs> prop me up. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. You'd think they'd be good if they can hold that man straight. Yeah, exactly. And they were like 50 quid as well. So I thought, you know, if oh, I yeah. never play, I've got a nice pair of shoes just to walk, walk around in. Yeah. I compared you to Shaq a few weeks ago. Now you're comparing yourself to Zion. For anybody who doesn't know Wardy, it's, it's completely it's true. Like it's completely six, true. It's like six six and wears a size medium, so uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> they're not the closest comparables. Yeah, I'm, I'm built like a pencil, basically. <laughs> so what we're saying is more of a Chet Holgram than we are a uh, Shack. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, the UK's Wambanyama. <laughs> <laughs> With all the same skill. Uh, something else I was thinking about, actually, speaking of Ariana and, and Chet, like, next year, those two are going to be going for Rookie of the Year. Like, that's going to be the Rookie of the Year battle. Hopefully, yeah. you know, if everything goes right, they both, you know, stay fit, that that could be the Rookie of the Year battle. It could be two of the, you know, where Benyama looks like he might be the most kind of transcendent player we've had, you know, since LeBron, maybe. Well, you saw the... I've, um... I said it, I've gone out there and said it. Uh, and, and, you know, Chet is a very skilled guy as well, so it could be those two going for it. I don't know if you saw the interview. Um, I know this isn't necessarily sneaker related, but I don't know if you saw um, Giannis, the interview with Serge. Um, and he was just like, basically like saying, oh, I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know if you've seen him play. He's as big as like Shaq and can block the ball, but he can shoot like Duran. And he was like, I've never seen anything like it. And for Giannis at the minute that everyone is saying, we've never seen anyone like Giannis to say, 
he's scared of Wembayama. <laughs> like reading between the lines almost, you're like, oh shit, yeah, this this guy might be quite good. Have either of them signed sneaker deals at all? Do we know? Like, I don't know if either of you two, uh, Chet might have before he ended up getting injured, but I don't know if either of them have deals because it would be super interesting who decides to pick them up, whether it be Nike or Jordan or whoever. Interesting that, I wonder whether Webanyama has got one because he is obviously playing professionally at the moment in France. So I yeah. wonder whether he's got one. Well, I've just already. I've just seen that Chet's signed a Nike deal back in October, so right. we might end up seeing some uh, Chet player exclusives and, and things like this coming up over the next couple of years. Um, you think Chet? You think Chet could be a guy that could have a, a PE in a couple of years? I don't know. You have no idea, do you? Like he's what second overall this year. A lot of hype going into this year where people were thinking, is he going to be number one? Is he going to be number two? Like you have no idea where he's going to be. Um, so I, and you just but remember he's he's a Nike athlete. They don't give out PEs. Mm. Like Nike and Jordan make people work their fucking asses off. This is why. Like it was a surprise when Zion got PE immediately. They obviously made Luca wait a little while, and I think they're maybe you know they're looking for new people to kind of take on the the, the Jordan crown a little bit and take it forward. But Nike historically are tight as fuck with yeah. giving people their own shoes. You, you never know. You've got to think that Jar Jar's got to be the next one, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 got to be. Uh, he he for me is the one who's going to take over maybe from the Kyrie line. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Kyrie line's going to come to an end soon. You never know how long we're going to be getting PGs for. Obviously, you don't know how, mm. you don't know what the, the LeBron situation is going to be like. So there could be a couple of spaces in the future. Who knows? Who knows? Right, we're into the second half, guys, um, and uh, we're kicking things off with our third quarter throwback. So uh, for anyone that has no idea about this quarter, every single episode we spend a little bit of time looking back at a historic game. Um, Wardy's normally our captain for this uh, quarter. So Wardy, I'll throw it over to you, mate. What game are we talking about this week? Uh, I decided I'd give you a little bit of history, uh, history about me. So uh, I'm going to do my, my origin game into my love of basketball. Uh, so it started quite a long time ago. I think before you were born, Matt, 1992. Do you know that year? Hey, I was I was just a, a, a I was just a thought in my mother's eye, uh, or, or a twinkle <laughs> in my mother's eye, as the saying is back in 1992, mate. They didn't have backboards then. 92 basketball, no no backboard, no three point. <laughs> it was basically just netball for men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mark, I'm guessing you you probably weren't that keen, or uh, you know, watching a lot of basketball back then. So it's uh, you know, I, I lived it. You guys are gonna have to be catching up to keep up with me today, but. Uh, looking back at uh, the 1992 Dream Team, in particular their first game uh, on July 26th, 1992 versus Angola. And I know Mark has been desperate to ask a question. <laughs> I don't want to answer the question. <laughs> I don't know about Angola. I know Angola in trouble. <laughs> It's one of my favourite quotes ever. Just made Charles everything that he is. It's just perfect, Charles. It's perfect. I've got the uh, a, a book. Uh, it's called The Wit and Wisdom of Sir Charles, and it's uh, it's, it's like a coffee table book just of all his best quotes. And you know that one is uh, is front and centre. Um, so there was a lot of hype for this game. Uh, well, uh, for the whole tournament, just to see the likes of Michael Jordan. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, uh, but for me, I think I've, uh, I've I told you Charles Barkley is uh, you know he he's my favourite player. He's um, and this is where it came from. Uh, just watching him, he was awesome. I've gone back and watched some of the uh, the other Dream Team games, and you know the other guys are quite quite cool. It's like when you have a local league team that are best by a long way. You know the guys just kind of. They roll along. They know you're going to win by 80 and they, you know, have a little smile, a little joke. Charles looked like he wanted to kill every single person on that court. On 100%. <laughs> he, was try- he was trying to start fights with everybody, even when he was up by 50. I think I think it was either him or someone else comes up, massive dunk, immediately turns around and just elbows a poor who looks like about five foot ten <laughs> Angola player in the chest, and just walks off. They're up by fifty at this point, and he's like, "Fuck you guys! I'm going to beat you all up." 
yeah, he throws down a huge dunk. And he's, um, and when asked about it, I, th- I think years later, he said that this guy was, you know, giving her a load of rubbish. He was getting in his face. He made a dangerous play on it. So like, he was watching you. He was trying to get in a good position to see one of the best players in the world dunk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm sure there's uh, a, a lot of people listening to this podcast that know about the dream team and things like this. But for anyone that is kind of maybe newer into basketball that that has no idea, um, then you listen to the wrong fucking podcast. So stop there, Matt. Do not, <laughs> don't come out and tell people who the dream team are. Come <laughs> I was just trying to be nice. I was just trying to be nice. All right, I'm not going to I'm not going to give a full history lesson. Fine, but this was obviously a big deal, wasn't it? This was a big deal. This was the opening game of the Olympics with the Dream Team, the first time that they'd essentially allowed NBA players to play in this format, right? So everyone had their eyes on this particular team because it was like when I play NBA 2K, and Mark loves to hear me play about uh, loves to hear me talk about me playing NBA 2K, but uh, it basically is that type of team where you were just like adding all of your favourites because the game is just absolutely fucked. But it, it looking back at this game, it was quite interesting. I haven't watched a lot of the Dream Team games in all honesty. Obviously, I know about the Dream Team, and there's constant, isn't there? Like, oh, what was better, the Dream Team or the oh, Matt, Redeem in Team? In 1992, it was the first time they'd let NBA players compete. Yeah, I know. In the Olympics. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's what I literally just said. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, I'm trying to tell you because you said you hadn't hardly watched any of it. You know, there's a fantastic documentary called The Dream Team, you know, which, which if you haven't watched it already, would 100% recommend it because it's really insightful. It goes into depth in all the games as well. Brilliant. But the one thing, looking back at this particular game, um, the the passing was just silly in like almost every single player. It's like, Wardy, what you were just saying there, like when you're clearly the better team and you just kind of fuck about. Magic Johnson was throwing, I'm pretty sure he threw more blind passes than he did passes he was actually looking at the other person. And I'm pretty sure there were more full court assists than any other game in history because I'm pretty sure it was just Angola miss, rebound, launch it to the other end of the court and a different all-star just was there for a slam dunk. Like it was absolutely mad. Um, and looking at the stats as well, like the game for the first couple of minutes um, looked semi-even, apparently, according to the stats, because the game started 7-7. Um, and then the USA went for a 31 to nothing run, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, of course, completely reasonable when it's the USA versus Angola. Um, and then absolutely destroyed them. But the final the result was, what, 116 to 48. Um, but I do find it funny with the threes as well Angola came out trying to be Steph Curry before Steph was even born and like I think they shot 9 for 38 from 3 Angola did not have any right shooting 38 threes back in 1992 <laughs> I think the coach said that they, their average height was like 6'4 and they were like oh, we're missing a couple of forwards so we're going to have to rely on our outside shooting yeah. <laughs> like, a little bit but you know what they made seven more threes than the Dream Team did, which is just fucking stupid. The Dream Team made two threes. They scored 116 points. <laughs> <laughs> and only six of those were fucking threes. Like, imagine that in today's, like, yeah. today's basketball. Uh, going two for nine. Like, they only took nine I was going to say, the fact the that they took nine game. is mad. It's ridiculous. Like, they must have been... I mean, they were getting their way on layups and fast breaks all the time. Um, MJ had eight steals in that game when he played 18 minutes. Had, had eight steals in Olympic records. It's like, fuck, I'm just going to take the ball off this guy every single time they come down the court and, and then go and get, get Charles a, a dunk at the other end. But I think that was the key, like what you said earlier, Wardy, about the fact that everyone else clearly was just there for the ride and there to make history. Um, but Barkley was there for blood because if you look at the box score for that game, Bearing in mind it's, what, 118 points or whatever it is, and you have all of these massive scorers. Um, MJ, 10 points. Um, Ewing, 11 points. Larry Bird, 9 points. Pippin, 5 points. Barkley, 24 points. Um, So he just decided, well, if you fuckers aren't going to score, I'm going to score every single basket. and just went for blood. I, I loved watching the replay because you could just see the different mentality between Charles and every other player on that team. It was great. 
And also interesting that Malone was second top scorer with 19 because Malone and Barkley had that massive rivalry at the time, didn't they? Where it's like, basically, what you do, I'm going to try and do as well. (laughs) (laughs) And Malone really only ever scored points. Like, he was a fantastic scorer. He didn't do fuck all else. Um, So, yeah, it was good to see Malone was, uh, was trying to keep up with him the entire time. I think that's one of the reasons why Angola's got a lot of threes. They're like, they got Charles, they got Carl, they got yeah. Patrick. We're not going anywhere near the basket. We're just Robinson. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the entire game looked like it was a bunch of dads like playing their kids, but not but one of those dads that wouldn't let the kid win. Like that was it. It was just like you're <laughs> teaching the kids a lesson. That's what that game was. Yeah, and there was a lot yeah. of um a lot of watching as well. I was um every every time well, the the few times the uh, the dream team had a half court offense because they didn't have many of those. Um, all the all the players were uh, all the Angolans. They would run towards one player. But that's that's what you do in local league, isn't it, Mark? Like you have one good player, you throw a couple of players out because <laughs> you know we stop him, we're going to win this game. But they totally forgot there's four, four other horse players. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we've, we've, doubled, we've, doubled, yeah, we've doubled team Larry Bird. So <laughs> there's only Michael Jordan, Scotty <laughs> <laughs> Magic Johnson and Charles Mark Beaver. Uh... One of them is going to go now. It's okay. We can, we can live with that. Yeah. That. Yeah. So this, this, this is kind of the game. And obviously, you know, Charles Barkley was the star of the whole, uh, the whole Olympics for the dream team. And um, my parents have played basketball. So basketball has been a big part of my life since you know, forever. And um, uh, I remember this weekend, I, w- I shouldn't have been at home for this game. I was on a, a scout jamboree because I was, at, <laughs> That's I was a, that cool. I was that cool <laughs> kind of kid. So um, I remember, it's, it's really weird for 30 years ago how uh, clear this, this memory is. But we'd gone on a, a hike as part of this jamboree and, um, you know, didn't, didn't wear sun cream, didn't wear a hat, uh, ended up having sunstroke. Oh, uh, no. I had to build my own bivy, threw up in that, um, got looked after, <laughs> thrown on a load of blankets, threw up all over them. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then big, big G had to come and pick me up uh, and take me home. So I was at, I was at home and uh, <laughs> I was, I was so. This sounds like the kind of, um, the kind of night that Charles Barkley would be proud of. <laughs> he would, yeah, I think he would. I didn't throw him off for a window, but um, uh, yeah, not, not that night. Um, so I got I got home and my dad had been doing some decorating. He pulled all the the banisters from the stairs off, and so yeah, put, put me to bed. And um, you know, I was feeling a bit up and down, a bit rubbish. And I vividly remember hallucinating that my dad was um, some top scientist, and some people had broken into our home uh, and pulled all the banisters off because they're trying to find a formula that he'd made. <laughs> With, with the house in disarray and me tripping out, uh, it all tied in together. I was freaking out, thinking my dad was going to get kidnapped for this, you know, whatever cool formula he'd, he'd been working on. Um, so obviously I spent the next day laying on a sofa uh, with my dad watching the Olympics and uh, that was it. So uh, from a sun, sunstroke, <laughs> trippy hallucinations, it's a lifelong <laughs> Charles Barkley fandom. I love that all of that ended with so spent I'm just sat on the, the sofa. sofa. Ended up watching the Olympics by accident. <laughs> Fucking die. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, we are never going to be able to top that origin story. <laughs> and this is why, Wardy, you're going to be the favourite forever. <laughs> You've got the cool nickname. You've got the cool origin story. I'm just the dickhead who talks too much about the Clippers that has an origin story from like a couple of years ago. How can I compete with this, Mark? What am I doing here, Mark? I love the headline for this. I hallucinated so much, I fell in love with Charles Barkley. <laughs> There's the title. There's the title. That's it. And uh, that, that was another buzzer beater by me, so I, I'm, I'm quite pleased with that. <laughs> yeah, that was a switch for sure. 
Well, um, we'll try and make the fourth quarter as exciting as the third. But uh, after that origin story, Wardy, I don't think that's quite possible. Uh, Fourth quarter, we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, looking forward at some of the games that we are uh, the most excited about uh, over the next week. And Mark, I said earlier that uh, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about OKC in a bit more detail. Uh, And that's because the first game that I'm looking forward to seeing this week is Nuggets versus OKC. There's no particular reason why I'm excited for Nuggets versus OKC, other than and it's just the next OKC game between now and <laughs> when this podcast ends or when it, when it sorry comes out because I am just absolutely infatuated by Shea this year. I mean, you said earlier that we couldn't finish the first quarter without talking about Shea. Like I, every single day, like I am going straight onto the NBA app. I'm looking for have the Clippers played today or have OKC played today. And that is the, they're the two things that I'm looking forward to the most because he's just absolutely killing it. And although it hurts me every single time he has a 30-point game, I'm also kind of, I feel like a proud dad watching his son going to succeed somewhere else. He's moved out of the house. He's having a good <laughs> life. He's just got his mortgage. And he's, he's the breadwinner. And I feel like that every single time I see Shea put up 30-plus points. He is the breadwinner, and he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been the breadwinner if he was stayed at the at the Clippers. No, he'd have been the kid that was held back, you know, because because his big brothers were, were were still doing all the work out there, and he didn't need to do so much work. So he's gone out on his own. He's the breadwinner for that team, and I'm really enjoying watching him as well. Um, I'm also, and I, I don't say this very often, although I do talk about them all the fucking time. Sorry, I'm enjoying watching the Knicks at the moment. We're eight and eight, and we're not terrible. Tibbs has finally decided that Evan Fournier is rubbish. Like everybody else has known it for ages. Unless he's playing for France, in which case he's like Yanis suddenly. But speaking um, of which, Yanis put him in his in his in his European top five. Like, are you sure, mate? Anyway, I'm enjoying watching the Knicks at the moment. Um, Sunday night versus the Suns, 8:30 UK time. You know, Wardy, that's a, a rivalry game there, just just for you and I. You're expected to win. You know, so really all the pressure's on you. If we don't win, it's like, oh, whatever. If we do beat you, that makes you look pretty fucking stupid, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Being the number one seed the last couple of years, I don't want to put too much pressure on the team. It does. It brings the, uh, if the Suns lose, they go to, I think, nine and seven, and it pushes the Knicks up to nine and eight. And that's, uh, that's a lot, you know, it's too close to come to it. Also, the, the Knicks are currently playing a lineup which <laughs> really interested me. So they're, they're currently playing Jalen Brunson, uh, Cam Reddish at, at, at two. Uh, I, I like that addition a lot. Uh, RJ at, at three, uh, Julius Randle at four, and Isaiah Hartenstein at five. Do you guys know anything interesting about that particular lineup? Think of anything particularly interesting about it? No. No, because only I am that level of fucking geek <laughs> <laughs> about the Knicks. There's four lefties in that starting lineup. Oh, wow. Everybody apart from Cam Reddish is is left-handed, which got me thinking: <laughs> Is that the most lefties that's ever started an NBA game? So, <laughs> my esteemed colleagues, what's your thoughts? Is that the most lefties that's ever started an NBA game, mm. or has there ever been more? Surely there can't have been five. The statistic, like statistics, no. can't be that there's five lefties. The odds on that must Morning. be. Yeah. Oh, I think I'd even go two, Max. Wow. <laughs> well, we've got four, but in 2016, uh, in the post-LeBron era, Eric Spolstra rolled out a lineup of Chris Bosch, Josh McRoberts, Justice Winslow, Tyler Johnson and Goran Dragic, which was a complete starting five of left-hand players. Wow. <laughs> And the thing is, is they probably didn't even realise that until you've somehow brought this up. Somehow that's going to come to the attention. But like, do you realise that game in like 2016, you played five lefties? Shit, did I really? I really hope he did it deliberately. I think he, yeah, maybe he was like, oh, do you know what? Like, you know, we, we have got Udonis Hazel. We could start at five, but fuck it. Let's put Josh McRoberts in because then it's, it's all five lefties. And that's really fucking weird. So let's uh, go with it. I bet he was just like, there was probably some like super irritating reporter or something like that after the game asking him dodgy questions. And he was like, I wonder if he's going to pick up on this. I'm just going to put five lefties out there. Yeah. <laughs> now do your fucking homework. <laughs> Who's your favourite lefty of the time? Uh, I can only think of James Harden. 
I, was, I don't pay enough attention to who's a lefty and who's a right. <laughs> this is very much a you thing, Mark, I think. <laughs> <laughs> My weirdness is really being exposed. <laughs> uh, Wardy, uh, while we, we'll, we'll kind of put Mark's weirdness to one side for a second. Who are you looking forward to watching over the next week? Um, uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, Heat-Celtics uh, Heat miniseries. They play this. Uh, they play in Miami on the 30th of November and the 2nd of December. Um, obviously, you know they're in the, fi- uh, the conference finals last year, and we've not seen not seen the best of the Heat yet. But I'm just wondering in in Miami against the best team in the league, are they going to put up a bit of a fight and actually kickstart their season? Um, you know, I think uh, these these. They're new, aren't they? These uh, sort of home and home games yeah. or home and away games in the same conference. So, um, but th- this could be a thing. It's the sort of thing a Heat team would get up for as well. You know, Jimmy Butler probably has circled this just as much as I, I have and gone, yeah, we need to get up on this and, uh, you know, show everybody that we're going to make the playoffs and we're going to be another team to, you know, pay attention to as we come up. So I think those, you know, a, ba- a home and home, a back to back game. Uh, could be quite intense, especially depending on who wins the first one. I really like the idea of these mini series because of this. Like the idea of having the kind of back-to-back games, it replicates a playoff series as much as we possibly can in the regular season. Because, like I said, if, if they're going to go, if, if Boston are going to go out to Miami, and if Miami win, it gives them an opportunity to almost immediately, right why did they win last time? How can we correct it? Like they can make those adjustments that you just don't have the opportunity to do as often in the regular season. So I really like the idea of these like kind of back-to-back games. Like you do see like mini, especially if you do have something like this, where it is almost a mini rivalry off the back of the, the Eastern Conference finals. You get something like this where it's like a Memphis Golden State or other rivals. It's a really cool concept throughout the year. Yeah, it's definitely a mini rivalry. And um, you see Jimmy got horny, uh, in the game against the Suns as well, didn't he? Like that was definitely a game that he marked that he wanted to win, and he blocked Booker at the end. You, you love to see that side of Jimmy. I just wish the, the Heat would be able to get something together because I really like that team. Yeah, but just just can't seem to put any kind of consistency together whatsoever. And I know, like you know, not having uh, Oladipo and uh, Hero's been out a little bit as well. That's definitely affecting the, the team, the strength of that team, which is which is their, their deep guards. But I'd like to see them go out against Boston um, and try and make a statement in those games. I think um, th- there's been a few teams this year that have had a little bit of almost bad luck and not quite performed. Obviously, we spoke earlier about Golden State, Miami being one of them as well that's kind of underperformed in comparison to previous years. Two teams that are playing this uh, this week that I'm kind of looking forward to is on the, in fact, the day this podcast releases, Tuesday the 22nd, um, we have Nets versus Sixers. Um, now, the reason why I'm looking forward to this is, first of all, there's a possibility that Kyrie's going to be back for it, right? Like we're recording on Sunday. Everyone was saying that today they're playing Memphis and he's supposed to be back for that game, meaning we are going to get or should be getting a Nets team with Simmons, Kyrie and Durant um, versus a Sixers team that have been a little bit down on their luck. Like if you think about the Sixers at the minute, they're currently sat eight, eight and eight in the uh, East, they're ninth currently. And every single time they get something good going, something shit happens. Harden goes out, Harden starts the season really, really well um, and beads out for a few games. Embiid comes back, start doing really, really well. Harden's out. Embiid and Maxi start doing really well. Maxi breaks his foot. So it just seems like every single time the Sixers get something good going, something shit happens to them and then they end up losing a few games. So I'm kind of excited to see a Nets team that have started playing well the last couple of games with the Kyrie dynamic back versus a Sixers team that kind of also have a little bit of a weird situation. Um, it just seems like you've got two teams that should be doing way better than they are. And I'm kind of interested to see how that battle goes. Yeah, I agree with you. And it two teams that should be doing better than they are. And it's for different reasons that they're oh, not yeah. performing. Like you've already said, the Sixers are, are doing a bit shit because they've had injury upon injury. The Nets are doing a bit shit just because of their kind of internal conflict and not really getting their shit together. Um, 
it's again, it's another game where Ben Simmons is going to go back to Philadelphia, yeah. w- which is great. The fans are going to love that. Uh, he had his best game uh, this last week, got a whole 15 points, which is the first time he'd actually hit double digits. Caught this an oop year. as well. <laughs> Caught an oop as well, yeah. So maybe he's starting to find his groove again. Um, we're going to see, uh, you know, over the next three weeks, especially with Kyrie coming back, that team's back to about full strength. So we'll start to see that. Um, staying in the East with the Bucks. The game I'm looking forward to, which is going to be uh, on Monday, so by the time this comes out, we'll have already played, is the Bucks versus the Blazers. Uh, so you've got the Bucks, who are second in the East, versus the Blazers, who are surprising everybody, being third in the West. And I think that's a really exciting matchup. Two good teams who, yeah, like I said, the Blazers have, the, the Bucks, you expect to be doing well. The Blazers have really come out of nowhere. And there's going to be a big test for them. I don't know, you know, how they're going to guard Giannis. Winslow's been doing a really good job of holding yeah. on to people's best players. Um, so I expect to see him on there. And the the Blazers have also been doing this great mix of zone and man defense and switching it, or, or sometimes in a play, they'll switch from a zone to a man. Um, and, it, and it's exciting to watch. It makes them interesting, and I think it makes them hard to beat. So I think that's going to be a good matchup on Monday night. Yeah, they've been playing Winslow at the five a little bit as well. Like some of the weird, funky lineups that you wouldn't necessarily think would work. Um, and they're doing really well. But I suppose the question is, is this sustainable, I think, for the Blazers? I think a lot of people are thinking like they came out really, really well. Same as any of these teams that are overperforming, right? I mean, Spurs are probably the worst in that bubble. But you've got Spurs who are doing quite well. Obviously, the Utah Jazz that are doing well. Portland that are doing well and you're like when is one of these teams gonna (laughs) again of course it's me so I have to bring it back to the Clippers but it was what 2018 where the Clippers at one point were first in the west and everyone was like "Mm, how long is this gonna last for and we finished eighth so it's kind of one of those seasons where it's like actually it feels like when's normality gonna be restored to the western conference and when are we gonna see the the expected teams up there and actually we've got the Kings who are another surprise team at the Grizzlies this week as well, which is going to be a real test for those Kings going against, you know, the Grizzlies who will probably up there or thereabouts um, at, at the end of the season. That's going to be a real test for them, especially now the Grizzlies have got um, JJJ back as well, uh, who, who came back with a storming performance this week. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. We'll end this quarter by saying that uh, after that game, Mark, we'll see the uh, bright future Kings on a seven game <laughs> win streak. <laughs> Maybe the Kings are the new Grizzlies. This could be like the passing of the guard. Is this the dagger? Right, guys. That brings us to the end of the game. Um, and with that, the end of the podcast. So I think all that's left to do is to say thank you very much for listening to the Hoops and Recreation podcast. Remember, if you like this episode, leave us a five-star rating and review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Again, cannot stress enough how much this helps us and it only takes a couple of minutes. So be kind. Good karma and all that jazz. Um, make sure you follow at Sneakers and Recreation on Instagram to keep up to date with all things Hoops and Recreation. I'll catch you next time, guys. Goodbye. <laughs>